Hi, my name is Gunnar Froh and I'm your host on the Wonder Mobility Podcast. Welcome back to the Wonder Mobility Podcast. And today my guest is Silvia Fischer from FreeNow. Silvia, welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Gunnar. Super nice to meet you here. We met a few weeks ago in person, which was kind of today seems like a different world because there was sunshine in Hamburg. It was the Wonder Mobility Summit. There were a lot of people on this kind of 2G event. And yeah, we had a nice discussion and you also shared some of your insights. You've been in the industry now for a number of years. And most recently, you took over a role at FreeNow, where FreeNow is really transforming from what most of us know them as, uh, basically a ride-hailing provider, one of the first taxi-hailing players in the world and leading in Germany and parts of Europe, to now kind of a multimodal platform. And you're leading this transition to multimodality. Can you talk a little bit about your background first, how you got into this, what you did before joining FreeNow? Of course, you're welcome. Yeah, I'm in mobility, as you say, at least for the last 10, 15 years already. Somehow it turned out that mobility is uh, the guiding theme in my CV, even though I started in marketing and sales uh, and in digitalization as well. So the very first instance, I was in a kind of multimedia agency early in the 2000s, and our target was to Someone makes the market fit for digital books. Yeah, we're looking into developing ebook solutions, promoting that to publishing houses who were absolutely not prepared for that yet. And yeah, after that station, I went to Deutsche Bahn. I did a classical traineeship just to start in the business world and got acquainted with the world of mobility and took a very international career, actually. So very soon I headed up an international marketing department. We were actually promoting Deutsche Bahn in international markets. And we had just launched DeutscheBahn.com, or Bahn.com actually, the international website. And my task was to promote that in the markets to sell people that they should go to Germany and there travel by train somehow. So that taught me actually a lot, uh, taught me to guide cross-functional teams, decentral teams somehow. And from there, I was able to take, at a very young age, a uh, very good opportunity at a company called Eurail Group. That is actually the management company for the Interrail and Eurail passes. And I became yeah, a marketing director, kind of CMO. And my role was to reposition and revive the Interrail and Eurail pass offer. That was really the most exciting professional journey I had to that moment. I joined that management team and we had really to transform a business. Yeah? It was... Uh, a small organization, only 12 people at the time. There were a lot of structural issues with the shareholders, with the product, etc. And we managed to turn it over, grow the company by four and uh, really bring it on the growth path, move it into the digital ages by yeah, converting a paper ticket into a digital offer again and also refreshing the way how it's being perceived. And I think the most interesting development there was that even the European Union has decided to give interrail passes for free to 18 years old because they have acknowledged that in the current environment, yeah, where there were a lot of crises, there was a lot of identity issues with young people about Europeanness, they thought it's a good idea to let young people travel across Europe for free. Now, so that was, uh, in short, the, my journey into mobility, starting from the rail sector. Yeah, and then I decided uh, to change paths. Uh, 
was a mom all of a sudden. I was uh, working from abroad, so I thought it's good for me to come back to Germany to look for new opportunities. And for me, it was super clear that I want to keep transforming mobility in a wider sense. Yeah? In the meantime, the entire micromobility field has evolved. Yeah? Scooters were popping up, were legalized. Yeah, there were all the challenges ongoing. And I started looking more and more into that field and found it super interesting. And yeah, then Freenow came around the corner, actually giving me the perfect job for what I wanted to do, namely helping the transformation of mobility and helping uh, yeah, this industry um, to also leverage distribution capabilities to work in the platform business and give more people access to yeah, this quite exciting new world of mobility. How would you describe this transition that's taking place at FreeNow at the moment then, and that you are pushing forward? Where was FreeNow at kind of historically about two years ago, almost two years ago when you came? What happened in the interim and where are you going with this? Why is yeah. that taking place? Exactly. I mean, I, I joined early in 2020. That was really early days of the multi-mobility project. At that time, Freena was clearly a ride-hailing company. Yeah? And the multi-mobility section was handled as a company in the company, startup style. So we were given a matrix organization, including our own product and tech guys, just to ensure that we're able to really focus on exploring if multi-mobility would work for us. Yeah? Because the core of the company, and we're nearly 2,000 people, was really focused about ride-hailing. And then we did some experimentation. We talked to partners, were able to convince the first uh, people in the industry that the idea of providing a mobility-as-a-service platform could work. We developed that. We launched it in a couple of cities. We started in Germany, you know, so Hamburg, Munich, and Berlin were the first cities where we explored a multi-model portfolio. And, I mean, you know, last year was uh, the COVID crisis, so basically our markets were... Not the best. Yeah? Mobility was quite down. But nevertheless, over the summer, we were able to get that like, first proof points so that we could convince ourselves and in the end also our shareholders that's a good journey to go on. And I think the biggest success for this young project was that multi-mobility became the company theme. So we revised the vision, the mission, the strategy. And all of a sudden, we were positioning ourselves as free now, as really multi-mobility company and rolled it out dramatically over the last year, basically. And I would like to talk about this rollout in more detail later. I think also like some numbers and so on, because you've really reached some scale. But before we go there about that strategy decision, is that something that's kind of contrarian at the moment and very different from what other big ride-hailing providers are also doing? Or do you see that more as a kind of common denominator now between you and, let's say, Bolt and Uber and other big ride-hailing providers? Both, actually. So what you clearly see is that writing hailing alone seems not to be enough. So all the ride-hailing companies, Bolt, Bolt, Uber, also companies like Cabify, etc., they play around with multi-modality. Uh, that's clearly the common theme. But we're actually the only ones who do it as a platform-only, really asset-light uh, model. Because most of the other players, they experiment uh, and try to run their own assets. They engage as transportation providers by running their own scooters and bikes, etc. Whereas we really decided that we are a mere platform, uh, that our core competence is on making available demand and supply, bringing that together, but definitely not operating any assets on our own. Did that come out of a kind of a necessity? Because you mentioned how that was a smaller initiative in a larger writing organization at first. And so you, I guess, have to run experiments and stuff. And it's um, a way of 
proving that consumers want a multimodal offering, but eventually you will maybe pick some areas where you could also deploy your own assets or that's the yeah, core to a long-term strategy that it needs to remain assetless. Well, we are quite agile as a company. So, uh, of course, we do trial and error. We also trialed own assets. No? So, you may be aware of the Hive brand. And for sure, you're aware because we were in that together somehow mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. We thought when the scooter market uh, was about to evolve, that it might be interesting to learn if we can do it. And actually, we have learned a lot. We have learned that operating a scooter company means really different operations. Uh, this is really about balancing the vehicles on the street. It's about yeah, effective maintenance. It's about uh, getting the vehicle somehow from Asia on a like, purchase process, etc. So it's very different from running actually a platform. And at our heart, we are a tech company. Uh, so we are operating since the foundation of MyTaxi, a platform where in the end, third-party operators are able to chip in their supply. And uh, we've learned that this is where our core strength lies. Whereas other parties, like uh, the operators themselves, they're really strong at managing that on-the-street operations. So we thought in terms of yeah, value chain, if you want, it makes total sense that uh, everyone focus on their expertise. And we truly believe it's consistent to be a platform. Also, mm -hmm. I mean, if you're a customer, yeah? so if you're a customer and you go to free now, yeah? and uh, you want to pick between vehicles, you don't mind where that brand is. But if you're my partner, basically, you might maybe feel that if I'm free now, I might give advantage to my own company. And that's a position that we didn't like. And we feel that uh, to be really a serious mass player, it's good to be neutral. Mm -hmm. And how does your business model look like then in this area? I mean, I think people know how there's a take rate on each ride in uh, ride hailing. But for these integrations, are they yeah, somehow a way of driving traffic to the app to then have more ride-hailing business? Or is there actual, let's say, revenue and profitability in these um, each of these integrations as well you're driving towards? Well, it should be profitable. That's very clear. So we are also operating like in the ride-hailing area with take rates. And uh, we have uh, different approaches in different marketplaces. We have the different categories on the thing. And we do also believe that's certainly true that there's a lot of potential in cross-selling aspect. Now, so what we see already today with the first proof points is that our multimodal customers are by far more sticky. Now, so they are more engaged with the platform. They do more rights. And that means that we really have a good potential, A, of having a very effective customer um, generation here, but also keeping the people longer on the platform and yeah, binding them to yeah, the platform as a yeah, sustainable access point. Yeah? So rather than going to the several provider apps, it's just easy. You go to free now and you can access the anti-mobility landscape without thinking of a new registration, building an account, etc. It just works. We had Nico Gabriel on the show here recently, and then he's describing how the challenge in car rental traditionally is that people typically do car rental only a few times a year. So they wouldn't necessarily download an app for that. They always go online and then there's bidding on who gets that traffic. And so it eats into your margin. And basically the key advantage of now having, you know, the one sixth app with these different other offers is to be on people's home screen and eventually in the front seat when it comes to making hopefully profitable car rental transaction basically driving people towards your profitable product. But in your case, I think that probably plays less of a role because ride-hailing is already such a high-frequency product. So it's actually more about probably the profitability of these additional um, areas. Or um, and, and how do you 
where do you see the room in that from an from a partner perspective? You mentioned your partners, they maybe wouldn't like if you then have your own operation there and want to know you are a neutral platform. You mentioned there's also revenue share then in place. Are you basically kind of like a marketing channel to them that you would have to be able to talk to them about, you know, how do you how does this take rate compared to other user acquisition channels that they have or how do you position yourself towards these partners basically? Yeah, I mean, for sure, we are sharing a common vision with our partners, which is about growing together in a market where there, in our opinion, is really a big potential for new mobility. I mean, let's face it, most mobility happens on the private car currently. There's also a big share on public transportation, but our common goal is to get people out of the car. And maybe there's like 1% of uh, potential that is being leveraged by all of us together in the market. Yeah? So we really feel that our story is a common growth story. And if I'm then a partner in MSP, then I could see free now as a great tool, yeah, a distribution channel, if you will, which is bringing additional customers. Yeah? Because free now is already very prominent in the market. We are very active on marketing. And in the end, uh, our partners do profit from that. They get relatively cheap access to new customers yeah? because they would have to spend on their marketing on their own. Where now we are doing that. We are also paying part of the taking part of the payment costs, the customer care out of their channel. So in the end, we're actually a good deal as a customer acquisition channel and with a vision to grow together. Let's talk a little bit about the scale that you've already reached in a short time and how you grow that because it's not um, like a very open marketplace where just any operator could sign up and then show himself, but you have kind of a gated uh, community there and you've selected some partners and what scale has that already gone to? Like how many vehicles you currently have on your platform and how many cities and roughly how many par partners do these come from? Let's just also give everyone a good feeling for the scale that we're talking about here. You mentioned FreeNow is a leader in ride-hailing, but you've moved into multimodality. You've brought vehicles onto the platform. How many users in total are signed up on FreeNow? How many, how many vehicles do you already have online through these partnerships? Yeah, I think it has to be mentioned that Freenow is really a global player. So we have a European footprint for Freenow. We also have a spin-off business beat, which is active in Latin America. That's why I'm saying a global player. Yeah? So we are a retailing company by its hearts with that span. For the multi-mobility part, it is really all Freenow. Yeah? This is a European business. And out of our 11 countries where we're active in with Freenow, in nine, we already have a multimodal proposition. And that means that Yeah, by now, actually, December 2021, we have over 130k vehicles on the platform and we're able to address nearly 50 million people in Europe with uh, our multi-mobility offers. I think that's really something to be proud of. Also in terms of rides volume, so more or less an exponential scale. Uh, so you know that COVID is difficult or has been difficult for mobility. So after our launches and rollouts this year, we saw really that exponential growth. Last quarter, we hit uh, over half a million rides this quarter. We're going to do that again, despite, again, more challenging situation. We don't know where it's going to take us in the next weeks. Definitely, we are seeing ourselves on the um, growth path ongoingly, and we're going to double down on our partners as well in the next month again. Oh. Yeah, and the other question, I mean, you were asking me uh, which partners we select. Uh, so, of course, we selected partners which help us achieve that growth vision. Yeah, So, to cover our geographies, cover our main cities uh, with a good supply density. So that was kind of the first criterion. 
besides obviously the chemistry between us sharing the same vision and being able to build a trustful partnership because it's really about the cooperation. No? Mm -hmm. And I, I think you brought operators in uh, with kind of four different vehicle categories, kind of the common ones today, cars, bikes, mopeds, and kick scooters. Which one is the most important for you now, but where do you also see the most growth potential? Where do you want to add the most in the next 12 or 18 months? Yeah, I mean, currently in just terms of fleet size, scooters are the most important mode besides the ride hailing, just because uh, our partners, I mean, currently we work with a tier and boy already, they have really huge fleets on the platform and you see it also on the the rights that we're doing on our platform, but we really truly believe that we need a balanced portfolio. Yeah? So we really believe that for whatever mobility need a customer might have, he or she might find the right choice. And then, of course, scooters do only serve certain mobility um, options. Others uh, can be served by other modes. So we see also very big uptick, for, for example, now that seasonality is striking in and car sharing. Uh, last week, nearly 20% growth in car sharing. Quite impressive, to be honest. And our ambition is really to have a balanced portfolio on the platform so that all the modes, also bikes is very interesting modes, the e-mopeds do perform also quite well. Um, all these modes should be represented equally um, dominant on our platform. You are also, I mean, you are interacting a lot with partners and so on, and you really yeah, broaden your geographical reach there across Europe. So I think it would be very interesting to hear from, from your perspective how that model shift, not just free now, but in the market on the streets is going to evolve. Because um, so there are the existing modes and maybe kind of the question around bikes eventually. There's been for a very long time already your former <laughs> your former uh, company, basically um, Deutsche Bahn and so on, Stadtrat, kind of bike sharing scheme long established in um, some German cities. But overall, um, not so big as scooters at the moment in sharing. How are e-bikes going to evolve? And then maybe beyond that, is new form factors a topic in the next two years or really not yet, not at any scale that matters from a market perspective? Good. I mean, let's let's start at the beginning. How do I see uh, mobility evolving? Hey, I think show, COVID has shown us that there is a huge uh, opportunity for shared mobility and micro-mobility schemes. Now, so... COVID has really pushed people a little bit out of public transportation of all means where people get close to each other into outdoor modes. And what that has triggered is, for example, uh, a transformation of even the infrastructure in some of the cities. Yeah? Just to quote Paris as really outstanding examples uh, where there's a, a very uh, green and mobility-friendly uh, local government in place who has really implemented bike lanes across the city and regulated also access uh, for providers in a way that they think they can operate a sustainable mobility landscape somehow. And that has really changed the mobility patterns in a city like Paris. And that's, I think, a common element. Uh, so you need to find then also the right geographical infrastructure situation that outer modes of mobility can really thrive. And then they will, in my opinion. Yeah? So I think uh, we are just at the beginning of a journey. We will see much more mobility going into Bikes, be it personal bikes, be it bike sharing schemes, also the scooters, also other form factors. Yeah? So we've seen in the last years quite some experimentation on that. Yeah? So there were experiments on high-speed bikes, for example, where you need to wear helmets. Yeah? Suppliers are also experimenting with e-mopeds, which have like more weather protection somehow. Yeah? So, for example, our partner Kutra is experimenting with like uh, rain coating somehow so that it's just getting a little bit more 
nice to ride a moped uh, in in the off season in winter when it's cold and wet and rainy somehow. I think another interesting development is the one of pods, if you will. Yeah, so like one person uh, vehicles, but closed. Yeah, so there was a company called Inu, if I'm not wrong, from Switzerland who experimented mm -hmm. with one person car-like uh, vehicles in some cities. Yeah? And I think we will see much more of these form factors. Now, yeah? I have also seen already some like mini buses, yeah, electric mini buses somehow um, in sharing schemes. I, I guess we will see really more deviations or maybe these uh, three-wheel scooters, yeah, which should add stability. Yeah? So I think it's very clear. The weather is an enemy and then also safety and security is always an aspect and uh, we will see a lot of innovation on the vehicle front. Yeah, I think so too. And I think we, yeah, we can only really see the beginning of it yet. There's like some slides in the canoe, this kind of EV company from, from California, or I guess they just moved to Kentucky. They have like in their pitch deck, some slides about the Honda Accord, uh, 1980, 1990, 2000, 2010 or something. And when you zoom out a little bit, it always actually looks the same. It really hasn't changed just very small details. And now there's going to be this explosion of vehicles and it does make sense from a consumer perspective that somehow yeah you would have some aggregated way of accessing those but then there's the role of the city who's also typically the operator of public transport and in that yeah a player in the market and you touched on the yeah, evolution of public transport in response to covid people want outdoor modes and so on and how do you see kind of your role as free now as an aggregator when then cities are emerging with their own city platforms maybe i think it's very early it's kind of an idea already for a while and stuff but in reality very few have an aggressive city platform strategy but eventually i think they they want to have it and is that something that you would then possibly be able to offer or that you would somehow also integrate into where does that kind of leave you from a strategic perspective if cities want to be that aggregator? Yeah, I think we have to sort that out. I think the very first starting point, and that's how we're approaching cities who are really important partner to us with whom we always keep an open dialogue. First, I think we should not see each other too much as competitors. I mean, we are players in the market for urban mobility, that's true. But in the end, the starting point of the private mass platform that we are building is completely different to the one that the public mass provider would do. Yeah, the city is very strong, builds a mass solution about public transport usually and addresses local people. Yeah? But we as FreeNow are a European platform. So a very big advantage that we're bringing in is that our customers can come in principle from everywhere in Europe or even from the world and that they can use their FreeNow app wherever they are going to find the mobility landscape to their destination. And from this perspective, I think the cities should see us as a very important contribution to the mobility offer in their cities. We, of course, feel that the market potential is huge. I've said that before. We are maybe touching 1% or so of the mobility market, the potential mobility market, and our big shared objective together with the cities is to reduce car traffic, uh, to reduce congestion. Uh, before COVID, uh, we had to look into a study, and it basically says that the stress levels induced by congestion in a city like London are similar to a dentist appointment, yeah? just because people lose on average an hour in traffic every day. And in Rome, there was another, oh, it's a very nice comparison. I don't want to withhold it from you. They compared it to the stress of 
a split up of a marriage somehow. Yeah, and I mean that's actually the <laughs> problem day, that basically. we need to solve yeah? <laughs> every day. Yeah, <laughs> that's what we need to solve together with the cities. There, we would profit from more touch points than this. And we don't believe in a single solution for mobility. We believe that customers will look for their touch points that are convenient to them. And free now is one solution, which is a European one, which I think is very reasonable, very handy, a very strong proposition. But I can also see that, of course, the cities do have a strong point in saying we need a local solution. I, I think we will have both in the end. We will need both. Would you, wouldn't you benefit as free now from also integrating public transport into your app? We think so. And that's why we are exploring the topic and we're discussing with the providers. Obviously, we also see that public transport users, like regular public transport users, oftentimes commute on like monthly tickets, etc. So maybe because they are so used to using public transportation, they have a limited need for additional mass platform for public transportation. On the other side, for everyone who comes into a city or uses public transport occasionally, it would be a massive value to see it on our platform. So we are currently looking into the options and feasibility, and it's a quite complex topic. No? Every yeah. city has their own public transport system, their own technical background. Also from a like, mm -hmm. commercial or political perspective, it's uh, absolutely not so straightforward because you have a lot of stakeholders who are involved in that decision-making, etc. So we're really trying to launch a pilot or a couple of pilots to see where that takes us and to assess also the customer value. Mm -hmm. Another aspect that I think is super interesting that you've also, or that you are still playing in as free now, I believe, is how to pay for your trip. I mean, we've talked about, okay, different form factors that are emerging, maybe aggregating those into one app, the role of cities, but now how do people pay for their trip? And there's this emerging uh, topic of mobility budgets somehow. You know, company cars are a thing over here in Germany, for sure. And more and more, maybe employees would rather have some flexibility. And you have a product within FreeNow that is covering this need. How do you see that? Future, what role does that play for you also maybe to drive operators into your system because you then have users whose employers uh, employee, employers are giving them that budget to you? Is that all yeah, integrated somehow in the future and how important is that? Yeah, I mean, for sure. Maybe to go one step back before I go into that mobility budget topic. I mean, it's really important to highlight that uh, our entire app is based on deep integrations. And that means that customers who go on free now, they can discover all the vehicles on the platform, book and also pay them directly on the app. So there's really no mm -hmm. need to create separate accounts. There's no handover of the customer to um, the native apps in the background. Yeah? And that's the precondition. And we are, of course, implementing the common payment method. So once, as a customer, you've created your profile with FreeNow, everything should work seamlessly and smoothly. Then in particular for the B2B customers, we've been approached by our customers, basically, who basically give the same argumentation that you've just laid out. Yeah? So they are looking into providing more benefits to their customers, in particular also because the travel behavior is changing. Yeah? So... They see also that due to COVID, people stay more at home. And if they give uh, like the monthly public transportation tickets to their employees as part of their package somehow, that might not be so interesting as it used to be because people don't use it necessarily every day anymore, but maybe just uh, two, three times a week or even less so. So they are evaluating other mobility perks and benefits uh, that might be more suited to the mobility behaviors uh, that people will face in the future as well. 
so basically our mobility budget that we know started to implement in a couple of markets, so most notably in Germany and France for the moment, is about employer benefits. Yeah? So basically you have a kind of credit and you can use it for the available mobility services, everything that we have on free now, but the payment is just handled directly with the company. And uh, yeah, our first customers, they use it as additional benefits to their employees. Of course, the vision could be in the future to replace company cars. But uh, yeah, in order to really go that lane, I think we need to expand uh, the portfolio a little bit and do some steps together. It's also for the customers a step-by-step approach to really see how far they can go with uh, mobility offers uh, and allowances. Mm. That's super interesting. And yeah, maybe to round things off, you also have made some statements as a company towards sustainability and getting towards carbon neutrality by 2030. I think you have a lot of electric vehicles on the platform, but it's not typically what we associate ride hailing with at the moment. It's uh, mostly diesel cars and so on. How is that going to work and why is that important? Is that kind of a, yeah, something that you think, what will that unlock for you from maybe consumers or cities if you are a leader in this direction? Yeah, I mean, we believe that sustainability is absolutely crucial. I mean, I just said that we are about to solve the challenge of mobility, but the underlying challenge is obviously a climate challenge. Yeah, that's really the challenge for our generation to be solved. So we really believe that all players uh, in the market do need to chip in. And actually, Freenow is already now net zero. Yeah, So currently, we really offset everything that we are doing. We are aware that offsetting is not perfect yeah, and uh, it's better never produce any carbon footprint but as a first step we're ready to commit to neutralize the imprint that we have today and then by 2025 uh, we want to really have uh, at least 50 percent of all our fleet uh, with uh, just bevs and by 2030 as you're saying we want to have really 100 of our fleet uh, electrified already today we've implemented really a number of measures and quite successfully so there are markets like uh, Spain and also France, where there's a pickup of over 70% in terms of battery electric vehicles already now. We're doing that by promoting the several incentives uh, to the drivers who basically have to make a decision to, to move to electric uh, vehicles. We have also deals with um, a sister company of our joint venture, Charge Now, on the charging side. There are um, different uh, incentives on uh, some OEMs for, for the cars. And like here in Germany also, we have a very interesting initiative, for example, where we as free now, but also the city and uh, the uh, yeah, country government, uh, the Länderregierung are chipping in on incentives. We're also giving a very interesting out-of-home advertising deals to drivers just to support them on their transformation. Yeah? And we really see a big uptick. So we've increased our fleets dramatically already in this year. And I think uh, we're going to go there. Last but not least, I mean, multi-mobility is helping us. Yeah? So if you look at just uh, the net amount of vehicles today, we're already kind of 90% electric now yeah? because just simply the sharing mobility environment is based on EVs. Mm -hmm. Wow, super interesting. Yeah, it's an interesting evolution that Free Now is taking and that you are driving from the first taxi hailing app, basically was developed and launched before actually Uber started, my taxi at the time, and then becoming part of this joint venture with BMW and all these different services and now moving towards the aggregator for European cities for different modalities and how you're basically yeah, pointing out how early this 
market is and the advantage that you have in being a tech company that can be the gateway for consumers into um, all these different choices, whereas your partners are maybe yeah, excellent in operations. So you also gain some experience, but also decided uh, maybe um, better pick your battle and not compete directly with your partners. The super interesting proposition, very impressive what happened already in such a short time. Thanks a lot for yeah, sharing so openly some of the yeah, experiences, some of the numbers there. And I hope that yeah, right now we're going into yeah, what seems like more um, things are getting more locked up again. But I hope that uh, next year in the spring we'll have a huge yeah, revival of movement and meeting of uh, people and that also your business will thrive next year phenomenally. Thanks a lot for spending this time with us. Thanks a lot. Thank you for having me and for listening to us. It has been a pleasure.